I'm probably speaking today to some ladies who are struggling right now, raising kids. And there are days when you wonder if it's worth it. Let me just say, just have godly credentials and have gallant courage and have great confidence in God. And I believe that you'll have this gratifying compensation. May God give us the grace to be the parents we ought to be, and especially to the mothers, to be wise and loving, and let God use you to raise the next generation for his glory and honor. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. take our Bibles, please, and turn to the Old Testament book of Exodus and the second chapter, Exodus chapter 2. You may have heard the expression like I have that a fellow often marries a gal like his mom. Is that true? I, I believe it's true in my case. I definitely married a gal like my mother. And I'm talking today really about the two greatest women in my life. And it's really a high compliment for both of them to be compared to each other. I want to talk to you today about womanhood and ladies and, and motherhood and those kind of things. And we're going to be looking in the Old Testament book of Exodus. Actually, we come into it in the second chapter, and we miss what took place in the first chapter. But an edict had been passed in Egypt that every male child born that was Jewish would be put to death. You have a very insecure and a very paranoid pharaoh at that time who feared the Jews increasing and overpowering the Egyptians eventually. And so he passes this, this cruel edict to put babies to death. And you say that's unthinkable. Is it? Is it? If you think about it. Well, we pick it up here in chapter 2 of Exodus and in verse number 1. It says, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And a sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out, 
of the water. And that's what Moses means. We find here the story of a lady who's not even mentioned until I think chapter 6 of this book, really only mentioned twice in the Bible, and her name is Jochebed. Jochebed is the mother of Moses, and we're going to be talking about her today as an example of what we call a, a wise and a loving mother. A wise and a loving mother. Let's pray before we begin, shall we? Father, we thank you now for this time that we can uh, honor our mothers, honor motherhood and womanhood and our ladies here today, but also our families. Father, we know you're so pro-family. And Father, we, we love the family and, and uh, we need these domestic charges as husbands and wives and as kids, as families. And so today we pray that you would uh, knit our hearts together as families. And Father, may we lift up the mother of the family, especially today. We ask it all now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It's been over eight years since my mother uh, passed away, and it seems like just um, yesterday. I'll never forget that Wednesday. It was expected. She had fourth-stage pancreatic cancer, and, and uh, we learned around Thanksgiving of the, the prior year before that uh, she was at that phase. And, and long story short, by the time she died, she was ready to die, and, and I thank God for that. But I'll never forget the day the phone rang, and it was my younger sister, and I knew as soon as I heard her voice, it was time, and she said, Mom's gone to heaven. And so anyway, the siblings had agreed they were just going to get together. There's nine of us, and, and uh, Mom and Dad lived about 75 miles away, so I got in the car and drove there and had so many uh, memories of Mom as, as I drove to, to meet the rest of the family, and it was a sad, sweet time. We, Mom was still there in the house, what was left of her anyway, and and we just hugged and, and we wept around her. And, and we realized for the first time in our lives that mom was not with us here anymore. As I, I think of mom, the earliest recollections would, would be preschool ones. And I remember mom exercising early in the morning to the old black and white TV with Jack LaLanne on it. And after that, flipping the channel so that I could watch Captain Kangaroo. And, and growing up with those, those memories and... and Anyway, when I turned five and started kindergarten, mom did what she did with all nine kids. She, she'd take us out on that, that early September morning and she'd put us in front of the, the garage and she would snap our picture. And she was so good about that. Actually, she had pictures of all of us kids from six months to one, two, three, four, five years of age. And then school took over all the way up and, and she kept pictures of, of all nine of us. Mom loved holidays. She loved especially Christmas. She loved the color green. She loved music. There was always 33 RPM albums in our family playing of, of uh, Burl Ives and, and Bing Crosby, and, and there was always music in the home. There were always continually uh, celebrations. When you have that many kids, there's always a graduation going on. There's always a wedding coming up. And whenever there was a special occasion coming up, mom would join Weight Watchers, and she'd buy this dress, and, and she would make a vow to get into that. I don't think my mom ever took a bad picture. I, 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 she was so photogenic. Mom was a peacemaker, no question about that. With nine kids, you got to be. I, I imagine she broke up a thousand fights. And can you imagine the diapers you would change with nine kids as well, by the way? And they're all cloth back in those days, not disposable. Mom always followed Dad. And in fact, if we brought a petition to her and, and she knew it was beyond her, we heard these words many times, go ask the boss. Go ask the boss. Mom kept us on time as a family. Dad didn't. <laughs> that was mom. 
Mom packed our lunches as we went off to school, and, and I'll never forget my little rifleman uh, tin mail, uh, lunchbox. In fact, the first word out of our mouths when we'd come home after school, always the same, were mom, just to know she was there before the screen door shut behind us, we'd holler mom, and, and she'd holler yes, honey, and we knew she was home and everything was all right. I remember as a, probably an elementary school kid, every Friday was the same. Mom would pick my older brother and I up at the school in the El Camino, and she'd have the scarf on her head, and it was time to go shopping, and we'd go to Schaffin's on the east side, and then we'd go to Singer's Piggly Wiggly, and we'd pick up groceries uh, for the kids, and, and uh, I just so, so look forward to that. She'd buy us a candy bar every time. Mom was our family doctor, and you can only imagine, we, none of us kids ever went to the hospital. We just didn't, we didn't go to doctors. Mom was the doctor, and with all nine of us, she took care of some pretty gory stuff. But she always did that. She called herself Dr. Skeving. I remember every fall getting a new pair of shoes as we'd go back to school. And I remember our clothes coming in, in the mail. She would order uh, through Montgomery Ward's catalogs. How many can remember those days? And, and uh, the clothes would come that way. Mom would always get us up every morning the same way. With those, those words, rise and shine, she'd flip the light on. And, and four boys to a room, we were up and, and going. She would have malto meal ready upstairs or cream of wheat or oatmeal in the, the winter time. She'd always say the same thing. It'll stick to your ribs. And I never understood what that meant, but it did, I guess. But she was efficient uh, in a quiet way. In fact, that was her, her motto. That was what they wrote actually under her, her senior picture in her yearbook. She was efficient in a quiet way. And one at a time, us kids all left the nest and and she'd write us faithfully as we went off to college. I got, a, I got a letter every single week from mom when I was in college. She was so compassionate. She was so tender-hearted. Um, she was really the heartbeat of our family, as in many cases. And obviously, I, I miss her. You know, they say when, um, when a child is born, a mother is born too. How true that is. And, and as a toddler begins to walk in a a wobbly fashion. Mom is wobbly too. She, she's wondering, can I do this? Do I have what it takes to do this? But she does. By the grace of God, many a, a night she, she pries herself and wrestles herself out of bed to heed a cry in the night of a, of a child who needs her. And she's there. She's there. I think a mother touches lives like no other person. And I think she prepares the next generation like no other person. And I think she affects history like no other person. And that's the reason we ought to honor her. We ought to honor her. That's what the Bible teaches, by the way. In Ephesians 6, verse 2, it says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. This is the first commandment with promise. Well, we go back to the giving of the law, and in Deuteronomy 5 and in verse 16, it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You know that there's even long life promised for those who honor their parents? I believe that with all my heart. In fact, I believe it's serious business not to honor our parents. We read this in Deuteronomy as well. Chapter 27, verse 16 says, Cursed be he that setteth light by his father and his mother. That means takes them lightly. God help us to never take our parents lightly. And young people, I hope you're listening. And if you have taken your parents lightly, you need to repent of that. 
and not do that again because the Bible says, Cursed be he that setteth light by his father and his mother. Repent. In fact, we read in Proverbs 1.8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. We ought to honor our mothers. Jesus Christ honored his mother, by the way, his earthly mother. I think he provided for her for many years. We don't hear much of Joseph after he's introduced to us. He was evidently gone by the time Jesus was, was older. And I think he provided for his mother there in that carpentry shop. And I think he even made sure she'd be taken care of as he's hanging in agony on the cross. He's saying, John, take her in. And he's taking care of her. You know, I think that Timothy in the Bible was a product of a great mother. And as I read over in 1 Kings, I read about this, this situation with two moms wanting the same baby and claiming it's both theirs and coming to King Solomon and saying, the baby's mine. Oh, the baby's mine. And Solomon's saying, cut the baby in half and divide it. And one mother said, fine by me. And the other mother said, no, don't do that. Give it to her. And Solomon said, she's the mother. She's the mother. Why? Because he recognized the mother's heart. There's something special about the heart of a mother. Now, in our text here, we have a woman by the name of Jochebed. She's the mother of Moses. And we find her the mother of Moses at a time when it was hard to be a mother. She took a boy that should have been spoiled by the paganism of Egypt, and she reared him for God. And within just a few years, she instilled in the heart of this child a love for God. And may I say to every mother and every parent here, that's the goal, to instill in the hearts of our children a love for God. Now, by way of background, the Jewish people had been in Egyptian bondage for roughly 400 years. They had been slaves in the land of Egypt, and and as they uh, were afflicted with this hard bondage, they just multiplied. There there was just more and more of them, and they, they began to overnumber and outnumber the Egyptian people, so a law was passed, and you talk about terrorism. It was a law that was passed in the reign of terror of Pharaoh to put every male Jewish baby to death. What a cruel law. Well, here's Jochebed, and she's with child. She gives birth to this baby boy, and he's fair game to any patriotic Egyptian. They'll turn him in as soon as they hear this cry going on in that hut there. And so she's trying to hush him and keep him under wraps, and and one month goes to two, and two go to three, and maybe maybe Moses gets colic. We don't know what it is, but she she can't keep him quiet anymore. The Bible says she could no longer hide him, whatever took place. And so she has this plan. She gets this little basket. She pitches it with things to make it waterproof. She sets it in the Nile. She doesn't just send it floating downstream. She puts it in the flags and the reeds there. And, and then she, she puts her daughter as the sentinel there to watch and to see what happened, praying that somehow God would intervene here. And by the way, God's not mentioned in any of these passages here that we're reading. But he sure is at work, isn't he? This is no coincidence that Pharaoh's daughter comes down, that the baby cries out and she has compassion on him. And Miriam comes up and says, can I help you? And Pharaoh's daughter says, yeah, I need someone to nurse this baby. Well, there are a lot of mothers there who had lost their babies. And and the the girl says, I'll go find you one. Well, it just happens to be the real mother of the child. What a deal, you know. You you get to nurse and raise your own child and get paid for it. And so finally, she raises Moses and she brings him to Pharaoh's daughter. And you know the rest of the story. He becomes this deliverer for the nation of Israel. But it started with Jochebed. It started with this wise and this loving mother. Let's take a look at her today. 
Let's see what we call, first of all, her godly credentials. Her godly credentials. Now, she was a Jewish woman. The Jews were the chosen nation, the chosen race, chosen uh, to follow the true God. And she's from the tribe, one of twelve, of Levi, who would be the future priesthood. So here she is. She's got a husband by the name of Amram. Uh, he's not mentioned here by name, but, but evidently these were very, very dedicated Jewish parents here. They had a relationship with the Lord, and they raised baby Moses with that relationship there. You know, every mother needs to have a relationship with the Lord, and every mother should seek to have that relationship with the Lord. I'm thinking of a dear lady, and I've known her for 35-plus years And she grew up in a rough environment. Um, In her early 20s, she was living a rough life. She was in the bars every night. She was dating this guy who owned a strip joint, of all things, if you can imagine that. And anyway, she became pregnant. And when that baby was born, a little boy, she looked at him in the crib. She was 24 years of age. And she said, I need God. I, I can't raise this boy in this environment. I need a godly environment. I need to raise this boy in a church. She began to search for God. Her search brought her to the same church that I got saved in. And uh, she found the Lord as a result of the weight and the magnitude of being a mother who needed God's help. And, And let me just say again, every mother needs God. Every mother needs to seek God. I think a child deserves that. Mom, you need to have a relationship with the Lord. You need to know the Lord. Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? You know, it's one thing to know about Christ. It's one thing to be religious in nature, even attend church on Christmas and Easter. But do you really know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you had a time in your life when you received him as your personal Savior? What the Bible calls born again. In John chapter 3 and in verse 3, Jesus said, Except a man or woman be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you have been born again, as Christ called it, or had the spiritual rebirth, or been saved... You're not going to see the kingdom of God. What's it mean to be born again? Let's talk about a spiritual birth because of the fact we're all born into this world spiritually dead with this sin nature, separated from God. And by the way, that's why you don't have to teach a baby how to sin or sass back or to be selfish or stingy because it's born in them. It's born in all of us. Uh, That that baby got it from its parents and and, and those parents got it from their parents and it all goes back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. We have this sin nature. And the only remedy for that sin nature is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He paid the price for our sins on Calvary's cross. But it's not automatic. Because he's the Savior of the world doesn't mean he's your Savior. You have to receive him as your Savior. You have to accept him as your Savior. You have to see what a sinner you really are and why he died on the cross and connect the dots. And when you do, it all makes sense. You need to turn from sin and repentance or change your mind about sin and place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as our Savior said, be born again. Be born again spiritually. And then you'll live the Christian life. Have you been saved? And, and are you living the Christian life? And will you be able to point your child to the Savior? Because you can't point your child to someone that you don't know yourself. Doesn't that make sense? Do you know the Lord here today? We see in Jochebed, first of all, her godly credentials. But secondly, we see in Jochebed... Her gallant courage. Her gallant courage. Now, it takes, 
It takes courage to be parents today. It's tough to be parents of the 21st century. I think it's getting tougher every year. I think it's different than even the 60s when I was raised. We're dealing with some things today that we didn't deal with back when I was a kid. We're dealing with technology today that we did not have that back in those days. We're, we're dealing with this social media and, and this, this connection with, with all these bad influences and the Internet and everything being so mobile. And I think it was really easier in my day for my parents to raise me than it is for parents today to raise their kids. It's going to be tougher for my kids now to raise my grandkids. We need courage. We need gallant courage. And, and we find here that Jochebed had that courage. Here she is. She's born a slave herself. Her parents were slaves and their parents were slaves. And all these slaves going back, all these generations were building these treasure cities of Ramses and others for, for Pharaoh and, and being raised in this, this heathen place called Egypt. And in the Bible, Egypt's a picture of sin. Well, in the midst of all that, Jochebed has two kids. First one's a girl and Miriam grows up, and, and uh, she's four years of age, and, and Jochebed has a boy. And Aaron grows up, and he's three years of age. And so they have their two kids. But now this, another, this other kid comes along. And in her heart of hearts, she's wondering, what do I do? If this is a boy, he's going to be put to death. And by, the, by today's standard, that would be the time to what? Have an abortion. That was not an option. Can you imagine what the world would have missed without a Moses? If you really stop and you think about it. So the pressure was on. She would give birth to this boy, and what would she do at that point? You know, when it comes to raising kids today, the pressure is on. And motherhood must resist the pressure of this world, because you're going to be pressured from all sides. The, the world is like a magnet, and it's going to try and pull you over to it, and you're going to be pressured to conform to the world's standards instead of God's, instead of the Bible's. You know, we read these words of Christ in Matthew 6, 8. Be not ye like, therefore, unto them. Be not ye, therefore, like unto them. Don't copy the world, folks. Don't worry about what the world's doing. Don't follow after the world. Real Christians are different. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We as God's people walk by faith. So don't cave in and, and don't cave into that pressure to conform. In fact, we read in Proverbs 29, 25, that the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord, notice, shall be safe. The fear of man bringeth a snare. Don't fear man, fear God. Fear what he says, and put your trust in the Lord, and the Bible says, shall be safe. And you might have to walk alone if you're a Christian. When it comes to raising children in this, this day and age, and you take your stand, outsiders will pressure you, and you might have to stand alone. I like what Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15. He said to the people, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So here's Jochebed. She stood strong in the face of complete opposition. And she hides this baby for three months until she couldn't hide him any longer. And so she gets this little bassinet, this little basket, and uh, basically is going to put him up for adoption. And she does it by faith. She does it by faith. As she puts him in the river, she's hoping, uh, against hope, that somebody at least will find the baby and have compassion on him. And the baby will not become the crocodile meal. And so we find out here she's strong in faith. We read in Hebrews eleven twenty three, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, 
because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Notice the faith of these parents. And by faith, he was hid those three months and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. It took gallant courage. But with that as a springboard, we see thirdly that Jochebed had great confidence. She had great confidence. Imagine Pharaoh with the power of life and death in his tongue. I mean, if he said, off with your head, you were dead. That was it. And you were no more. And so here's perhaps Amram and Jochebed, and maybe they start to reason and say, you know, we we have two kids already. Uh, We have our boy. We have our girl. And, you know, if they find us with this baby now, they're not just going to kill him. They're going to kill us. We have defied Pharaoh's decree, and they're going to put us to death. Why jeopardize all of us? Why do that? You know, again, we read this over in Hebrews eleven twenty three that by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, the Bible says. Not Moses's, but at this point, his parents. So Jochebed devises this plan. She gets this bassinet. She puts Moses in it. She, she trusts God with the whole situation. And by the way, she did not have a Bible like we have today. There was no Bible at that time to tell her about the God we know today. In fact, who wrote the first five books of the Bible? (laughs) The little baby in the bassinet would grow up and at age 80 finally pen the first five books of the Bible that we have with us today. But here she is as a slave. She, She trusts God and she believed God and she knew God had his way and she knew God would take care of this. She said, God's given me this child and she trusted God with the outcome. Difficult circumstances. Difficult circumstances. And under her own reasoning, she might have just given up the child, but she trusted God, and God intervened for her. You know, the Bible tells us over in Proverbs 3 and verse 5, to trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Parents, we can trust God. Don't lean on our own understanding. That's the temptation. But trust God with all our heart, And he will direct our path. Well, did God direct her path? Did God steer in this whole matter here? Well, look in verse number 5 of our text here in Exodus 2. It says, And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maids to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it, and the child grew. And she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because... I drew him out of the water. Did God honor the faith of Jochebed? Absolutely. She's getting paid now to raise her own son. She trusted God. And this is something, folks, you don't find this in a parenting book. It's, it's so easy for us to just order these books on parenting by, by Dr. So-and-so who supposedly has all the answers and does not. But when will we just start trusting God to help us to raise our children? If God gave you that child, God has a way. 
you can raise that child. And you might say, well, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if you should even have children in this culture in which we live today. It's gotten so rotten. Our society is so vulgar. Why even bring children into this world? That's not trusting God. And that's not God's plan to be fruitful and multiply. We need to trust God. But really, the key to child rearing is godly parents. That'll be the challenge here to some parents in just a little bit. Godly parenting. And may I add add godly grandparenting. I love that phase now. Godly grandparenting and godly influence and godly examples. That's what our children need. And because Jochebed trusted God, this world would never be the same. It had a Moses. It would never be the same because Jochebed stood strong and she went against the grain and she had faith and she believed God. And now we find here that young Moses caught it. He caught it. He, he, he learned about Jehovah God at the knee of his mother. And by the way, it's been said that if your child doesn't learn about life at your mother's knee, they'll learn it at some other joint. God help us to learn what they learn from us as their godly parents. We see her godly credentials. We see her gallant courage. We see her great confidence. And finally, we see her gratifying compensation. The gratifying compensation, the reward, the blessing that came as a result of her taking her stand. It was worth it. Think of the legacy she left behind. The legacy. What's a legacy? A legacy is how we're remembered and, and, and what follows us. What was the legacy of Jochebed? Well, she has three children. And the first one, Miriam, was called a prophetess in the Bible, meaning a, a woman of God. She was a godly woman, actually. Well, not perfect, we know that. But she was a godly woman. Secondly, Jochebed had a son by the name of Aaron. Aaron was the very first high priest. The, the, the one, the first of many. He's got this lineage and these ancestors that last for 1,500 years, all these high priests, but they all come out of Aaron. What was the legacy of Jochebed? Well, the third son, good grief. The third son was the most famous. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. We mentioned that a moment ago. He chiseled out these two tablets, and on them, God, with his finger, the finger of God, wrote the Ten Commandments. I think we're familiar with the Ten Commandments. We still have the Ten Commandments with us today. I still use the Ten Commandments when I'm dealing with somebody about their soul. In fact, we read this in Galatians 3.24, Wherefore the law, the Ten Commandments, was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And every time I deal with someone about their eternity-bound soul, I use the law. I use the Ten Commandments. Why? It shows us what sinners we are. God says, put him first. Have no other idols before me. What person could say they've never put anything ahead of God or not taken God's name in vain or dishonored their parents or lusted after the opposite sex or not honored the Lord's day or had hatred in their heart towards somebody or lied or coveted? Nobody can say, I've never done any of that. And as we drop down God's law, it's powerful powerful. I remember my dear dad, when I took him through the Ten Commandments, he was lost at the time. Now, I got done with the last one, and he, he just had two words to say. He looked down, and he said, oh, my. Oh, my. That's all he could say. It hit him like a ton of bricks. Oh, my. 
I was looking at this fellow over here uh, as we were singing here a moment ago. I led him, got, had the privilege of living him to the Lord here a few weeks ago. And we were going through the, the, uh, the seven steps to God. Had two lessons yet to go, but we got to the Ten Commandments. And we got done. And he said, I'm going to hell. I'm, I'm lost. I need to be saved. And so there's no need to go through anything else at that point. I mean, there's something powerful about thou shalt not commit murder. I wonder how many times... It's inhibited somebody from going forward with it or maybe adultery or something else. And we find that it was that third son, Moses, that gave us that law. It was Moses who led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and and, and lifted his staff and the Red Sea parted. It was Moses who led them through that path through Arabia, I believe, and and was, was a hero for for centuries to come, even up in the time of Christ, they're still talking about Moses, one of the greatest men to ever live. How could Jochebed have ever known that Moses would amount to all that? There was no way for her to know. No way for her to know. You know, I have a, I have a surrogate, if you will, dad now, that my dad is gone, and mom, the Claytons, Larry and Lois Clayton. I've known Brother Clayton for decades when he was born, he was 13 pounds. 13 pounds. Ladies, how'd you like to give birth to that? 13 pounds. There had been quite a few years between him and his other siblings. There was this gap. He was not expected. His mother gave birth to her, uh, him, and, and it almost killed her. The doctor said, Bertha, you can't have any more kids. They're going to kill you. And she said, well, I can't. I know that. She said, but I'm going to take this boy and I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to dedicate him to God. I'm going to pray that he'd be a preacher. You know, Larry Clayton has probably done the work of the average 10 preachers around the world in the 60 years he's been serving God. And, uh, you name it, he's seen it right down to a human sacrifice. He's been around the world and done it. And God has used him in a great way. You just never know who you're raising. And there's been many a childless woman in the Bible who has prayed and God's given her a a Samson who changed the world, or prayed and God has given to her a, a Samuel who changed the world, or prayed and, and God's given to her a, a John the Baptist, greatest of those born of women. And then, of course, the greatest ever born would be the Son of God. But more than just a man, God the Son, the Savior of the world. And when he was born, Simeon, the old man, found him in the temple, raised him up in his arms and said, this boy is, is set for the rising and falling of many And how many have either come to know the Lord and been saved and gone to heaven as a result of him or stumbled over him as they've gone through life and fallen. He was set for the rise and the fall of many. May I just say, ma'am, that God has a mission for your child. And and we don't know what it is. God knows what it is. But raise them like God has a mission for them. God has a purpose for them. Believe that God wants to do something with them. You are making an eternal investment, an eternal investment. You know, you you think about it, by the time they all started serving the Lord, or or, or at least what they did for God is recorded in the Bible, you've got Miriam, and she's 84. You've got Aaron, and he's 83. You have Moses, and he's 80. Where's Jochebed at this time? She's long gone. She's long dead. Let me just say that an investment in a child will outlive you. An investment in a child will outlive you. We read this over in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. The apostle says, Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after 
my decease to have these things always in remembrance. After my decease, you're going to remember these things. You know, I'm continually thinking about, I'm continually repeating things that my parents said years ago. And now my kids are repeating them. And we're able, after the decease of my parents, to still have these things in remembrance. We read this over in Hebrews 11 and verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, notice this part, he being dead, yet speaketh. He being dead. My folks are still speaking through me. My kids are still repeating what my folks said. And my grandkids one day will repeat what my folks said. You are stamping, parents, yourself and your image upon your children right now. Could Jacobet have ever realized that? I don't know. The love and the sacrifice, was it worth it? Absolutely. And by the way, it's still worth it. Mom, you never know who you're raising. You have no idea who you're raising right now. So just give it your best. Give it your best. And by the way, these, whether you believe it or not now, these are the best years of your life. I don't know how many times I heard my folks mention that after us kids were grown up and gone and mom and dad were graying, how they would say, you know, raising you kids were really the best years we've had. And honestly, I think every, every person my age or older would say the same thing today. And so if you're still raising children, enjoy that time. Enjoy that time. You know, the world says that success is uh, for your kids, them getting this degree, finishing college, getting a great job, making a lot of money, having a prestigious title. And if they have those things fall into place, they're successful. But that's by the worldly scale. That's not by God's scale. And I think that Jochebed stands tall among women because she raised a godly son who changed the world. I'm probably speaking today to some ladies who are struggling right now, raising kids. And there are days when you wonder if it's worth it. Let me just say, just have godly credentials, as we've talked about, and have gallant courage, and have great confidence in God. And I believe that you'll have this gratifying compensation. May God give us the grace to be the parents we ought to be, and especially to the mothers, to be wise and loving, and let God use you to raise the next generation for his glory and honor. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.